The final topic of our series tonight, um, I'm actually going to have you guess what, what, we're, what we're concluding with um, by giving you just a quick picture that I took this morning. I thought it was very timely. So I was at Tammy's Diner in Round Hill. Who has heard of Tammy's Diner in Round Hill? So more people than I probably expected. Tammy's Diner is where it's at, guys. Tomorrow morning, go to Tammy's. Ask for the number two. And I guarantee you, it's going to be on me. It's going to be free. I'm kidding. I, I don't know why I said that. Don't just, but just go. Still go and uh, give a shout out to Tammy. She's a great gal. And uh, she's going to cook you up some mean eggs. I can guarantee you that. So Tammy's Diner in Round Hill. So a few of us from our young adult team, we hit up Tammy's Diner for breakfast. And I saw this sign there at Tammy's Diner. And I thought it was very fitting. So it says, if you are grouchy, irritable, or just plain mean, there will be a $10 charge for putting up with you. So I don't know if that this is serious or for real or or what but by way of this picture can you guess what we're talking about tonight okay this is where you like speak and 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 participate okay does anybody have any guess it's not that hard anger Anger, thank you oh my goodness okay you guys gotta wake up everybody clap twice okay so we're talking about anger tonight and I was on the verge of getting very angry with, with you because I just, I need some participation. Okay, so the Lord's going to do a work in my own heart tonight, just as I pray he does a work in yours. Uh, we're talking about anger, how to deal with anger, how to be on guard against anger taking root in our lives. Some of you might be here tonight and you don't even know that you have bottled up, pent up anger um, and you've been holding on to it for weeks, months, a few years. And I pray that as we talk about anger tonight, from a biblical perspective that the Lord would do a work in your heart and you'd be free from that. You'd be able to give it to the Lord and um, confess that to the Lord and that he would just free you from a root of anger. So let's pray and then let's dive into our Bible study tonight. God, we just thank you so much for being with us tonight. And I pray now that as we dive into your word, as we dig out the scriptures, Lord, Would you do an awesome work in our hearts? I pray for anyone here tonight who maybe is very consciously aware of their anger. I pray that you would minister to them tonight, God, by your Holy Spirit. Maybe a few of us have been holding on to anger and we don't even realize it, Lord. Bring that to the surface that we might confess it to you, that you might deal with it, Lord, so that we can be free from that. We love you. We just commit our time to you, Lord. Pray that you would set people free tonight, that you would heal, that you would um, strengthen, that you would encourage, that you would convict. Lord, do the work that you know needs to be done in our hearts, Lord. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said together, amen. So what I found very interesting when studying about anger from a biblical perspective is that Christian counselors report that 50% of people who come in for counseling, 50, 50, 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems dealing with anger. Now, everyone deals with anger to a certain degree. For some of us, anger is our first resort. We go straight to anger whenever we're offended, whenever we're hurt, whenever we don't get our way, whenever the commanders tie the New York Giants, just this anger just rises up within us, and that's kind of just our first resort. We just go straight to anger. We're easily offended, 
We're easily hurt, and anger's our natural default. I don't know if that describes any of us in this room. For others of you, you're a very calm person. Um, It takes a lot to get a rise out of you, and you are just very calm, just very mild-mannered, just easygoing. Um, But it would be a lie, if that's you, to say that you never deal with anger. Because all of us, to some degree, deal with anger. Some of you actually pose as peaceful people when the reality is you have a lot of bottled up anger over the years and you've never properly dealt with it. And so you don't know what to do with it. You just keep it inside. You don't want to burden other people with your anger. And so you don't vent at all. But that anger over the past years, a few years potentially, has just piled up and bottled up. And it, you're kind of like on the verge of just one more small hurtful comment and, and you're going to explode. Because you've just had this bottled up, pent up anger in your life. So all of us deal with feelings of anger. And before we know how to biblically deal with anger... First, let's set the framework and ask this question, what does the Bible say about anger? You know, honestly, this should be the question that we ask regarding anything in our lives. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about fill in the blank? That should be our go-to phrase, our go-to question. What does the Bible say about this? And that's kind of been our, our series over the past eight to ten weeks is been what does the Bible say about lust? What does the Bible uh, say about bitterness, worry? And for tonight, what does the Bible say about anger? Because the Bible is our, our moral compass. It, it is our, our framework for practical living. And what happens is, instead of asking this question, when it comes to different topics that maybe we wrestle with, maybe it has to do with our identity or whatever it might be, we go to Google or we go to friends or we go to society, we go to the world, we go to the culture, we go to the news, and we ask, what does this person say about this? Or what does that uh, social media say about this? And, And we look to outside sources to define what scripture can clearly tell us um, about. And so tonight, again, what does the Bible say about anger? So let's start there and let's set the foundation. Well, number one, anger is not always sin, if you're taking note. What does the Bible say about anger? Number one, it's not always sin. Um, And case in point, God gets angry. That's what the Bible says, that God gets angry. I know Um, sometimes circles of the church, sometimes society loves to teach that God doesn't get angry. Um, That's actually not biblical. God gets angry. Write these verses down. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. Did you know that? That's, what, that's in the Bible? That's what the Bible, yeah, that's what the Bible says. That God is an honest judge and he is angry with the wicked every day. The ESV puts it this way. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. And sometimes we always think, well, that's Old Testament God, but then Jesus came the New Testament and Jesus was very lovey-dovey. 
But I, I, I'm sorry to say, well, I'm not sorry because it's biblical. Mark chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus looked around at them in anger. We think of Jesus as just this hippie Jesus, just blonde-haired, blue-eyed hippie. Just going around, just loving everybody. And of course, God is love. We're going to get to that in a moment. But Jesus, even God manifest in flesh, Jesus himself walked around in the temple noticing that it had just become solely this marketplace of business. And the Bible says that he had this righteous indignation that he got angry. And so what does Jesus do when he gets angry? Well, he he makes a whip. That's what Jesus did. Mark chapter 3. He fashions a whip and he drives out the money changers because he says, my house should be known as a house of prayer. So the Bible in the New Testament says that Jesus got angry. John chapter 2. Um, John chapter 2, sorry, is where Jesus drives out the money changers. In Mark chapter 3, it says Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to them, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So Jesus got angry on a few occasions in the New Testament. He got angry at um, people's disbelief. Even after he had shown them many proofs of his divinity, Jesus got angry. So the conclusion we can draw from scripture is that God gets angry. And when God gets angry, it's never sin. It's never sin. But it's this righteous indignation because he is angry over wickedness, over stubbornness, over our rebellion. God gets angry. Now you might say, but Austin, I thought that God is love. You know, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says God is love. I don't know how many of you remember that song. If you grew up in the church, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth Born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Okay, was that as awkward for you as it was for me? Okay, oh my goodness, God bless you. I didn't sing that song just for you to remain silent. And the Lord is dealing with my anger tonight in a, a very righteous way. So that's what God, but the question is, God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. We sang it growing up in the church. God is love. So how can we have a God who is love, but a God who is angry? That seems inconsistent and incompatible. But of course, that's actually not the case, that you can still have a holy, perfect, complete God who gets angry, who also is defined as love being in his very being. I can illustrate this just in my own life. As a dad, as a dad, my my two little girls, when they misbehave, when they talk back to their mom, when they are disobedient, uh, do I get angry? Yeah, I do. I, I get angry. But does that mean that my love is removed from them? Of course not. In fact, my love compels me to gently correct them when they're disobedient so that they grow up to be mature and respect and love other people. So it is not an inconsistent statement to say that God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, but that God gets angry with stubbornness and rebellion and wicked acts. Just because God gets angry doesn't mean that his love is removed from us who rebel and who are stubborn. And so... Um, secondly, 
sin is not always sin because God gets angry and God never sins, but also it can be acceptable for believers to be angry. Write down Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, be angry, Paul speaking to the believer, he says, be angry and do not sin. So he, he, he differentiates these two things. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So it's possible, it, it, it can be acceptable for the believer to actually be angry. It's not always necessarily sin when the believer gets angry. There are two Greek words in the New Testament that translate into our English word anger. Uh, one of those words actually means a, um, a, a passion, an energy. Uh, the other word that we translate in our New Testament Bibles as, as anger means this, um, this overboiling, this agitation. So biblical righteous anger can be God-given passion intended to help us solve problems. It is acceptable to be angry over the things that anger God. So example, I, as I hope you are here in this room, um, I am, am angry over the sin of abortion in our country. Why? Because the Bible says that God loves life, that God created life, so we should also love life. And so it, uh, it angers me um, hearing about the sin of abortion in our own country. I'm angry over sin in my own life. Now, the question is, what do I do with that anger? Do I shame people who have had an abortion because I'm angry about the sin of abortion? No. My anger rather compels me and drives me to have compassion on the one who's experienced an abortion talking about the forgiveness and freedom that can be found in Christ. To educate people on the pro-life position and what God's word says about it. So anger is not necessarily wrong, but the question is, what do you do with that anger? Do you, do you deal with it in a healthy way? Does your anger, does your righteous indignation, when you are upset over the things that break the heart of God, what do you do with that anger? Does it compel you? to bring about a biblical solution to that which you are angered over? If someone insulted your mom, obviously, you would have every right to be angry about that. So, again, the point is that anger is not always sin. Number two, it can become sinful, however, when, firstly, you allow anger to fester. And this is the second half of what Ephesians 4.26 says. Again, Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. However, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Or some translations say, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So Paul is saying that anger can be prevented from becoming sin if a strict time limit is placed on it. Do not let the sun set on your anger, Paul says. So he is attempting to communicate to the church at Ephesus that it's not necessarily sinful to be angry when you're angry over the things that anger the heart of God. However, how do you deal with that anger? Well, don't allow it to fester or it can become sin. 
Even though you might be angry over something that's not necessarily sinful, when you allow anger just to continue to fester and you harbor anger in your heart, Satan can take advantage of that anger and use it for his purposes. Because God hates when we sow discord and division within God's family. And that can happen when we harbor anger. Even though you feel you might rightly be upset at someone because what they did was offensive, when you harbor that anger, when you allow that anger to fester within your heart, it can become sin. And the devil's work is to accuse and divide the family of God, to sow discord among us. And when we harbor anger in our heart, we do the devil's work for him. There's some things that you have been angry about for a long time. And you may have had every right to be angry about it. But you've held on to that anger for far too long. And it's time to give it over to the Lord. You can't harbor it any longer. You can't allow that anger to fester because it does become sin. At what point? That's between you and the Lord. Paul puts a strict time limit on it. He says, don't, don't go to bed angry. So that's like he gives you a day to deal with your anger before the Lord and not to allow it to fester. Secondly, when does anger become sin? When you're quick to display your anger on other people. James 1.20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. He says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to read that again. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. He says, Everyone should be quick to listen. So when someone upsets you, when someone offends you, when, when someone hurts you, he says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Some of you are very quick to express your anger with your words. Some of you are very quick to put your anger on display. He says you should be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. He would also say in Romans chapter 3, he says, when describing the sinful person, he says, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and anger and bitterness. Some of you, when you're upset, you cuss people out, you get super angry, you're quick to just have your anger on display, and Paul says, this cannot be a part of the believer. Can't be. So, even though you might be angry for a good reason, he says it can become sin when you allow your anger to fester, but when you're quick to display and express your anger. And when Paul says there, he says we should all be slow to become angry. He says when you're slow to become angry, you know who you're reflecting? You're reflecting the heart of your heavenly father. Because numerous times in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, in Psalm 145, it says that God is slow to anger, but he is abounding in love and ready to forgive those who rebel. That is the heart of our Heavenly Father. And we have offended the heart of God to an even greater degree than when we offend each other. 
And so if we have offended God to an even greater degree than when other people offend and hurt us, and yet God is slow to anger and abounding in love with us, ready to forgive our rebellion, how much more should we then be slow to anger with other people, willing to forgive other people? You see how this works. This is how the believer should operate under the power and control of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you deal with anger, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so, anger is not necessarily sinful, but the Bible says it can be sin when you allow it to fester, when you harbor it, and when you're quick to display your anger. The final question we then will answer is, how should we biblically then deal with our anger? And again, I encourage you to take notes. Number one is give your anger over to the Lord. If, if you're here in this room tonight and you have had a, a difficult time dealing with anger, and again, that anger might be justified. I don't know what other people have done to you, how they've offended or hurt you. But again, some of you have been, have been coming to church, you've been coming to young adults, so you lift up your hands in worship, and that's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome thing. But you have been angry with your brother or sister, and you need to reconcile with them and you need to, number one, you need to give that anger over to the Lord. Proverbs 29, 11, the writer says, fools give full vent to their anger, but the wise quickly hold it back. Fools, the Bible says, a fool gives full vent to their anger, but the wise quickly hold it back. And so if you just deal with just giving full vent to your anger, again, you're just quick to express and display your anger when someone's upset you. You gotta learn just to give that anger over to the Lord. Because the Bible says a fool vents, full vents their anger, just, just barfs their anger out on other people. But, but it's a wise person who learns self-control to hold restraint, and that can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we just say, God, I just give you my anger. I'm a, this is a, that's the step number one. You've got to learn to give your anger over to the Lord. But number two, let him deal with the person you're angry with. Let, let God, you've got to just trust that God is better at dealing with the person you're angry with. So let him deal with that person. Romans chapter 12 verse, 9, verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Man, we, we are so quick. You know, I'll personalize this. I am so quick. When someone's hurt me, someone said something offensive, maybe they just didn't even know they were saying it. Maybe it's like, a, you know, we love to jab and, 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 and you know, just give digs to other people and I'll be the first to say I love to you know jab with my buddies and and sometimes I can get very carried away because I love to dish it out but when it's given to me I'm like I'm so offended I get angry and then I start to just kind of like that my sinful mind starts to just kind of make up ways how can I get back at that person in a, in a kind of loving humorous way so it kind of flies under the radar right you know what I'm talking about so I'm going to kind of 
give some good payback. I'm going to dish it out. It's going to be in like a loving, humorous, kind of funny way, but I hope it hurts their feelings. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only sinner in this room, right? So we do that. And so when we hear something offensive, stop being a snowflake. Give it over to the Lord. Let him deal with that person. Say, God, I'm not going to touch this. You know how badly my flesh wants to creep up. You know how badly I want to get back at that person. Give it right back. Say a hurtful comment. All right, I'm not saying to not to have a sense of humor and not to, you know, again, be, be fun and playful with your friends and your buddies. That's fine. Make room for that. Make allowance for that. But sometimes you know when your attitude uh, reflects more of the enemy than it does the Holy Spirit. And say, God, deal with my attitude. I'm going to trust that you're going to deal with this person. Because Romans chapter 12 says, don't avenge yourself. Don't defend yourself. Rather, give place for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Number three, look for ways to transfer your anger into prayer, forgiveness, and service. When you're angry with someone who has upset you, look for ways to transfer your anger into prayer, forgiveness, and service. You know what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43, on how to deal with your enemies? He said, don't be, don't be angry with your enemy. Or, uh, rather, he, he, did he say, be angry with your enemies? No, he said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So pray for those who you harbor anger towards. Look for ways to transfer your anger into forgiveness and service. Look for ways to practically serve the person you're angry with. That is so difficult to do. It's very easy to say. It's so hard to do. But Romans chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. So the very next verse is after Romans 12, 19. In verse 20 and 21, he says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, this is the best part, guys. Listen up. When you feed your enemy, when you give drink to your enemy, when you find practical ways to serve your enemy, this is the best part. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his or her head. Because that's what we ultimately want, right? Get him, God. Give payback to that person. So this is, this is, this is so um, counterintuitive, but when, when someone upsets you, you're angry at someone, I don't know what they've done to you. This is what the Bible says. Find practical ways to serve them because in doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. And that's what you want. Get them, Lord, right? What does that even mean? For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. It most likely refers to this burning conviction that our kindness places on our enemy. Because listen, when someone has offended you, most of the time, not all, the t- not all of the time, because we can be very oblivious, especially us guys in the room. We, we're just oblivious creatures at times. So we don't always know when we hurt or offend somebody. But most of the time, people know when they've offended you. And what they expect in return is for you to have an attitude, for you to just avoid them, for you to despise them. But rather, what the Bible is saying here is when you find practical ways to serve that person in return, that that kindness you display will bring a burning conviction into their hearts. And the Holy Spirit can then work in their lives. And maybe there can be some reconciliation there. And so when you display kindness to that person, and the Bible says, oh, you have an enemy, you're angry with someone, 
Feed them. Give them, give them a drink. Pra- find practical ways to serve them. And in doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Your kindness will drive them to feel just this burning conviction. Just this sorrow, this remorse for what they've done to you. So Romans 12, 20, verse 21, some good advice there. And then finally, number four, how should we biblically deal with anger? This is huge. Trust that the Lord can turn your hurt into something beautiful for your good and for God's glory. Many of you know the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph had every right to harbor anger toward his brothers. You remember in the book of Genesis what his brothers did to him. Joseph, this shouldn't have happened, but Joseph's dad, Jacob, Jacob had his favorites, and he favored among his other sons, he favored Joseph. So remember the whole coat of many colors thing? Gave Joseph the best coat, coat of many colors. Joseph sporting his coat of many colors. He was an immature teenager. He didn't know any better. Maybe he did. He was a brat. We can say it now. It's been, it's been thousands of years. He was a brat. Puts on this coat of many colors. He's sporting it around his brothers, basically saying, this is the expression of my dad's favoritism. Wearing the coat, wearing the jacket. You know what his other brothers do? I would have done this. I would have hated Joseph. Dad loves you best. You got this beautiful coat. You know, we're just wearing just neutral colors, gray, browns. You got this coat of many colors. And so what do they do? They throw him into a pit. They contemplate murdering him for a time. Then one of the other brothers speaks up. He says, no, we shouldn't kill him. We shouldn't do that. Guys, we're better than that. Let's sell him into slavery. And that's what they do. And they, so, they sell their brother, Joseph, as a slave to the Midianites. The Midianites then take Joseph into Egypt, sell him to this guy named Potiphar, who is in command over the Pharaoh's army. And then the whole thing with Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, Joseph's thrown in prison. He's there for most likely between 2 to 13 years. And he's in prison, and he had every right to think back on the time where his brothers mistreated him, contemplating contemplated killing him, sold him into slavery, had every right to be super angry at them and to just contemplate, if I ever get out of this prison, I'm going to find my brothers. I'm going to keep, like, go Liam Neeson on them. You know, if I find you, I will kill you. That kind of a thing, you know, he could have, he could have done that. You know what happens? A few years later, Joseph gets married. He has a family of his own. There's a famine in the land of Israel. Jacob, who doesn't know that Joseph is still alive, thinks he's dead. That's a whole other story. Go home, read the book of Genesis. uh, Jacob tells his other sons, go to Egypt, because there's a famine in Israel. Go to Egypt, buy food. What happens? Joseph's brothers run into Joseph because Joseph has been set free from prison. Now he's put in command over all of Egypt by the Pharaoh. And he runs into his brothers, but they don't recognize him. Why? Because he's got all this Egyptian eyeliner on, you know? It's kind of like guy liner in ancient Egypt. And that's what Joseph had. He's got all this guy liner on. He's like walking the Egyptian walk kind of a thing. He's got the headdress on. His brothers don't recognize him. Joseph had every right being in command of all of Egypt. I finally get to have vengeance that I've been dreaming of against the guys who sold me into slavery. You know how the book of Genesis ends? Genesis chapter 50. He reveals himself to be Joseph. He says, guys, it's me. His brothers fear for their lives because they know 
This is a powerful guy now. He could do with us whatever he pleases. But Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Am I the judge over you? Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is what Joseph did. He says, listen, I'm I'm not in the place of God. I have every right to be angry with you. And I could put my anger and wrath on display. I'm the most powerful man in all of Egypt right now. But he says, I'm not going to do that. He says, what you intended for evil, you, you intended to bring harm to my life, but God worked that out for my good and for his glory. And the Bible says that he spoke kindly to them and that he took care of them and their kids. How amazing is that? So listen, with, with your anger, someone's offended you, someone's hurt you, someone's done something awful to you, you need to trust that the Lord can turn that hurt into something beautiful for your good and for your glory. And this is what the Bible tells us. This is what the Bible is all about when, when you have anger, when you harbor just this deep-seated anger towards someone, you gotta just trust the Lord to take care of it because God can take care of our situation better than we can. And sometimes we just need to defer to the power and will of God and say, God, I'm just, I'm just gonna trust that you, you're gonna deal with this better than I can. And if I try to deal with this in my own strength, I'm gonna make things worse for myself and for the other person. God, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna deal with that person who's hurt me, who's wronged me, and I'm going to trust, God, that you're going to just work all of this out in your timing for my good, for your glory. You can turn this mess into something beautiful, but you have to surrender that to the Lord. You have to give it over to the Lord. You say, God, do a new work by the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. Make me more into the image of your son. Put away the desires of my flesh. Give me the Holy Spirit so that I can please you and honor you. I'm going to trust you. Do something with this. Now, I thought about closing it right there, but the Lord, I felt, gave me just two more minutes of your time. Some of you might be sitting here, and, and you're like, you know, this is great. Don't have a problem with any of it. This is awesome. This is, this is fine stuff. But what if the person I'm actually angry with is God? And, and, and some of you might be here tonight, and you're angry with God. And the question is, what do I do? I don't know what to do with this. I'm angry with the Lord. And maybe the reason you're angry with God is because you think either he is the cause of some kind of suffering in your life, or maybe he's allowed suffering or difficulty, maybe a bad breakup, Uh, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe you've been experiencing um, health issues and, and illnesses and you, you have no idea why or what it's about. And so your anger is more directed towards God himself. And what I felt like the Lord just wanted me to say to that tonight 
is I can't say that God is necessarily the cause of any of that. There are things that happen in life and God is not necessarily the cause. So I can't say that God has caused what you're going through, but it would be biblically accurate to say that God certainly has allowed it. He's certainly permitted it. I don't know why. I don't know why God has allowed the difficulty or why God has allowed the suffering in your life, but I I do know this. Any suffering that God has allowed us to experience, whether the suffering was invited in by our own choices or whether suffering came via the fact that we just live in a broken world and so we will experience brokenness and suffering, I do know this to be true, that God can deal with your anger because he's a big God. He can deal with your frustration. Take it to the Lord. God never wants our anger or our frustration to drive us away from him. But rather, he absolutely wants us to turn towards him and draw near to him in the midst of it. God does not want your anger to drive you further away from him. He he wants you to bring your anger to him. And he wants you to draw near to him. And the Bible says when you draw near to him, the promise is he will draw near to you. And and all I can say is this, not based on my authority. This is the authority of God's word. Romans 8.28, it's a classic verse. It says, and we know that in all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God desires to work in your frustration, to work in your suffering, to work in your anger, to work in your affliction. God desires to work in your life. Draw near to him. Go to the Lord with your frustration, with your pain, with your hurt. Draw near to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So Romans 8.28 says, That God is working in you for your good and for his glory. And Paul then would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for our affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So I don't know why the Lord has permitted suffering in your life. You might be angry with the Lord. Don't allow that anger to drive you further away from the Lord. I've seen people who have been angry with the Lord for whatever reason, and it has driven them further away from the Lord, further away from faith, further away from the church. This whole movement of deconstruction has been rooted in anger towards the Lord. Do not allow Satan to have a foothold in your life if that's you. Draw near to the Lord, press into the Lord, get in the word, and ask the Lord to work out of you his purposes in your life. Because know this, this is a promise from scripture, God is patient with you, he loves you, he is compassionate toward all those he has made. He desires to do an awesome work in your life by the power of his Holy Spirit. He loves you. He does not want to harm you. He wants your good. He wants to be glorified in your life. So you have to know this, and you can only know this when you further press into his word, get in the word, get in the scriptures, pray, seek the Lord, vent to the Lord, don't vent to other people, 
necessarily, you know, find good friends and, and express your frustration, that's fine. But before you vent to other people, go to the Lord, vent to the Lord. He desires to do a work in your life. He wants to use our pain. He wants to use our hurt. He wants to use your affliction, not for our harm, but for our benefit. Why? To mature you, to grow you, to deepen your faith, to deepen your trust, to make your walk with him more intimate so that you might please the Lord. Because when you repent, when you humble yourself, the Lord is pleased with you and he loves you. And so look up, draw near to the Lord and the promise is he will draw near to you. Let's take a moment just to pray. Let's close out our Bible study and let's pray and let's seek the Lord. Let's confess our anger. Let's get right with him tonight. If any part of this Bible study has ministered to you, if the Lord has used a Bible verse to speak to your heart tonight, go to the Lord right now and say, Lord, deal with my anger. Maybe someone has hurt you, offended you. Maybe it was recent. Maybe it was years ago. Say, Lord, I'm going to give my anger to you tonight. I'm going to let you deal with me. And I'm going to let you deal with the person who's offended me. Help me, God, to transfer my anger into prayer for that person, to forgive them, to serve them. And help me to trust that you're going to work all of this out. Turn all of this awful situation into something beautiful for my good and your glory. Take that moment. Just pray. Maybe you're angry with God tonight. Just pray. Seek Him. Give it to Him. Say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're up to. But I surrender myself to you. Surrender my my affliction. Surrender my situation. Give that to the Lord. Pray and seek Him. I know the silence can be awkward at times. Embrace it. This is a time where there's no distractions. This is a time, maybe for the first time today, where you just had quiet and stillness before the Lord. I don't want to rush it. I want you to sit. I want you to just pray. For those of us who maybe don't see how anger applies to us right now, you're in a good season. Just say, Lord, search my heart. Know me. Reveal to me things in my life that I don't, I'm not even aware of. Invite him in.
God, thank you for being slow to anger and abounding in love with us. Thank you that you are so ready to forgive us when we offend you. Now help us to do the same. Help us to reflect you in every area of our lives, but specifically when it comes to our dealings with other people who may have offended us, God. Help us to reflect your heart and be slow to anger, abounding in love, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become, to become angry. For the anger of humans doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That's what your word tells us in the book of James. So God, we're just here. We just are taking this minute just to be transparent and vulnerable with ourselves and with you. And I pray that you would deal with us, Lord. Every person in this room needs to be dealt with by you individually because you know our hearts. You know the uniqueness of our situation. You know that for some of us, we're, we're, we're very peaceful people. We're, we're, we are slow to become angry. doesn't mean we never get angry, but you, you know that is some of us in this room. Other of us, others of us, God, our first resort is anger. Just easily offended. We can harbor anger. We can allow it to fester, God. So you know every single individual heart here tonight. And I pray that you would begin to work in each unique individual tonight based on your knowledge of us. For those of us who have been dealing with anger for weeks, months, maybe years, Lord, set us free from that tonight. Break our chains of anger tonight. Bring freedom by your Holy Spirit in our hearts that we might forgive the person who's hurt us that we might give that person over to you because you can deal with that person better than we can, Lord. We need you. We are so needy for you. We're dependent upon you, God. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot change ourselves, God. We cannot improve ourselves, God. Only you can change our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit when we surrender to you. So forgive us, Lord, when we've allowed our anger to become sin, when we've allowed that anger to fester, when we've allowed unforgiveness to have its way in our lives, forgive us, God, and help us, Lord. Deal with our anger by your power, your strength. Be merciful and gracious to us, God, and help us to forgive that other person who's offended us. Help us to serve that person, to pray for that person. Help us to trust you that you can take care of us, that you can take care of our situation and turn something awful into something beautiful, just like you did in Joseph's life. So we give our anger to you, God. If we've been angry with you, forgive us and help us to draw near to you, not to run away from you. Do not allow Satan to use our anger to drive a wedge between us and you, but further draw us to your heart, Lord. We know that you can care for us, that you're compassionate toward us, that you love us. So draw us to yourself, God. Move in our lives tonight, Lord. Root out any anger that is not of you and set us free, Lord. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. And again, thank you for being patient with us and slow to anger, abounding in love. 
We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, amen.